society is now in session. Yeah. What's up, everybody at the Bad Idea Society? It is uh, episode number six. We're here with uh, Hank Howard and a little save now, a little impromptu dollar comic and episode. This is uh, going to be a fantastic show, but it's not just me. Got a couple people uh, part of this society meeting together. And uh, as usual, we got the moose. Hey, how you, how's everybody doing? Doing great, man. Good to see you. You know, glad you got a, a new ride and your car's... Yeah. Uh, you know, out, out of the junkyard or in the junkyard. Oh, it's, it's going tomorrow, man. I'm so nice. excited. And and they're paying me 80 bucks to haul that thing away. It doesn't Ooh, run, sweet. and they're still paying me 80 bucks. So I'm taking my wife out for sushi tomorrow night. This might only be a Northwest <laughs> joke, Pacific Northwest, but did you call like 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS? You know, I did, yeah. Okay, I good. Did. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. But it's not just us, man. And we got somebody else that's really big on society. He's big in the comic society. He's uh, You guys have known his face. You probably know his voice. It is Sean. How you doing, man? What's up? It is good to be here with you two gentlemen. I am thrilled to be here So to talk about some of my favorite books right now. So You're killing me, gentlemen. I, I don't know the last time I've I'm been starting off polite. Know. Don't worry, I'll get worse. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. Good. Yes. That is awesome. Well, guys, this is Sean. You guys need to make sure you follow him at Bad Deacon and uh, check out uh, Overthinking uh, Overthinking the Bad. That, Overthinking uh, another the Bad, yeah. yeah. That's my weird experimental podcast that I'm doing where I'm doing wacky stuff to try to find interesting, fun ways to talk about comics. Yeah, I like it so far. I mean, I was uh, just kind of like you and your, I believe it's your your wife and the interpretations and the acting. It, it's it's a good little thing, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. So definitely, everybody, go check that out. Uh, it's it's definitely some fun for sure. Um, and so, yeah, we're a couple weeks in with some, or a couple months in with Bad Idea now. And uh, me and Moose have talked quite a bit about it. You know, what what's your take on everything so far? It's really strange. <laughs> That's my take on it. Everything is really strange. And I can't put my finger on like a cohesive line to this line of books. It seems to be about let's make fun comics that we like making. That really seems like as far as I can tell what the mission statement is of Bad Idea. And that's really cool. I really, really enjoy that because it's just there's no, it doesn't seem like there's any like mandates, no editorial mandates other than just making really cool, really fun comics that can be about whatever you want, whether it's serious spy espionage, the world's about to blow up to who broke into the safe in this pizza joint, you know, and everything <laughs> in between. And uh, that has been just really fun to see. It's something where I feel like I'm always going to enjoy what they put out and they've got awesome talent. So I'm kind of just, I feel like I'm on the roller coaster and just going with the ups and downs, but I don't have the whole picture of the roller coaster yet. And that's really kind of cool. You know, it absolutely is. Um, and case in point is you look at everything that's come out, you've seen some things that tie certain things together and you're like, okay, could this be cohesive? Could this be a universe where all this stuff happens and we're going to, at the end of these first four books and all these one shots, we're going to get to, you know, Santa Claus is a bad guy and, and all this. And then you get this 
Hank Howard pizza detective, and you wonder, what the hell does this have to do with anything we've read so far? I mean, you could totally see how, you know, Walesville, it can fit in in a kind of kid perspective, you know, but, you know, this pizza book, really? But then you read it and you're just like, ah, oh, you know what? It just doesn't matter. You're entertained and you get that 50s, you know, the 50s movies, maybe maybe even going back further where you got that. Where you, it's you got the music, the 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 light kind of bluesy music and the single talker, and he's just describing everything that's going on. And you, I, I don't know how you guys read it, but that's totally what was going on in my mind. I even had the blues playing in the background of my mind. There's a lot of space there because there's not much, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, there, there, there's a lot with everything that we're getting, and it is. You're right. It's a bunch of dudes sitting around saying, "Hey, why don't we do that?" And you know, and there's like a "why not" type of of response. It seems like it's, you know, what? Hey, let's do it. Um, and and that's kind of the big thing, right? All in on bad idea, right? And so that's kind of the thing is enjoying these items. You know, if you're not all in, you're probably going to miss out on some great things that you probably wouldn't think you would like, right? It's a uh, you know, showing up for the uh, horror movie and getting a comedy, right? But yet laughing your ass off during that the whole thing. And that's kind of what you, I feel like what you're getting here is you're showing up for a certain show, but you're getting something totally different and you're loving it. Yeah. And so that's a big thing. And, and I know Moose, you had some crazy theories on some of your other things. Let's jump to that afterwards. I want oh, the yeah. end of, of these books. Hold on to them because I want to yeah. know, I want to, Sean, I want to know what you think about this stuff and I want to know what other people think about this. I want to know what the world thinks about this because I so badly want to know. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. I just I just want to know. I have this desire to know, and my brain has just been going nonstop since the end of ENIAC 3. Nonstop. Yeah. So, I want to get okay. into some theories, yeah, at the end, yeah. at the, towards the end, after we get through uh, Hank Howard, the pizza detective, and Calagula's safe and save now. Um, so some awesome things. But before we go further, I want to do this little uh, little warning, this alert, this bell, this horn. Um, that way you can't blame us if uh, you didn't read the book. It's a spoiler alert. So read the books. So time to ruin the crap out of them, guys. Um, what do we think? Let me get some of this up. Again. Fantastic, fantastic art on covers. That's one thing we've been talking about a lot on just the presentation of these books continue just to be amazing. Um, Cardstock, all of the stuff all the way around. Um, yeah. What's your what's your feel on that? I mean, I, I know it's probably going to be good, but. Well, I love the fact that they are doing these spot gloss on every single color of every single cover that part of them are printed matte. Part of them have these glossy bits printed on them. Like looking at the cover of Pizza Detective here, the all the characters are have gloss over them, but the background doesn't. And so it just is this extra little touch that just makes it pop and feel like something really unique and special. Because I think having all gloss would look pretty cool. Having all matte would look pretty cool. But having it mixed and match and being like so precisely adding to the artwork that's just a really really killer touch yeah and, and the caesar in the back being matte like that absolutely and i think much like we had our first call for bad idea t-shirts with the end on the back of was that tankers one 
that yeah, whole, Tinker's one that melting face looking thing. We got our first plushie or whatever you want to call it. I want that guy. <laughs> I want that bear, that Caesar bear. I saw that guy, and I'm like, that is so badass. I want that sword and everything. It it just <clears throat> it has nothing to do with the story. It sticks out, and I love it. I thought it was fantastic. And then you got all the characters, much like you said, Sean. Nobody necessarily highlighted, but they're all right there. They're all important pieces. And Caesar standing at the top with his thumbs up. Yep. Yeah, but give shout out, shout out to this team. Uh, Rob Venditti doing the writing on this one. Dave Lamp, Lamp. Ah, I hate saying his name, Lampin. And uh, just you know, giving off some more of that stray bullets vibe, which is amazing. And then Jose Villarribia doing the colors, at least on the cover. And I don't know if you guys ever noticed, but uh, uh, Warren tweeted out some images of this book, and it was colored. And I, I it, I don't know. That's so cool. I don't know whether mm. if the color was better or if it's that just straight black and white. So I'm a sucker for black and white, but flashback to that color again. Maybe because I'm so used to black and white that there's always something black and white in each one of these books. I kind of I'm kind of on that color. It's it's very it's very simple, but there's enough brightness there because it's supposed to be dark. It's all supposed to happen at night, but there's enough color there that it's enjoyable. It's fantastic. Mm. I don't know which way to go with that. I don't know which way. Hmm. I do like how pimply faced that little brat looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the colored version, it's it's interesting because I'm used to David Laffam's artwork being black and white, uh, yeah. especially recently. Ever since the '90s, everything he's put out on his own has been black and white. So mm -hmm. to me, that feels like the natural state for his artwork. So seeing it colored is. Uh, a little strange to me, but I'm I'm kind of with you there. I'm I'm kind of digging the colors on this. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, because that's smooth. Mm -hmm. I, right. I mean, I'm a sucker for black and white, and use your imagination to to fill in the color yourself. But yeah, I mean, even down to the five o'clock shadow, uh, and it, it makes it feel like like I was talking about before, where you set that movie back in the 50s or, or or whenever where you have the single narrator and the blues playing in the background um and then you, then you get the color and it just kind of it kind of adds to it it's something that i don't know i kind of like it yeah yeah i could i could i would have dug it if this was in color i would have dug this i don't think there was a wrong way either way no, um yeah. but yeah ultimately phenomenal looking either way that the, the work is just you know it's great um, you know, and let's, I don't know, either one of you guys want to summarize up, sum up this, what this little, uh, six page story, eight page story was. Go ahead, Sean. All right. So Hank Howard is a private eye and he kind of always has to worry about where his next paycheck is going to come from until he gets in the pizza business as a private eye and has to find out what happened to the contents of the safe at Caligula's pizza number 200 and something, something. I don't have that number <laughs> off the top of my head. He, think it's, he thinks it's a pimply-eyed brat, and he goes hard on him, and then he finds out that maybe it's not him, and maybe it was much more of an insidious inside job. Or was it? Oh, <laughs> or was it? Well, I think, to me, I feel like this story is very much saying that it was the manager that did it, right? It was the manager with her boyfriend that uh, mm. set this all over. Yeah. 
And all, all except for that very last page, one of the last page in the that I'm you're seeing on the screen here, where the uh, kid sitting there looks like he's playing a uh, video game, chilling out at home, almost like he kind of got away with it a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, it kind of left you. To, it kind of left it up for question, is what I you know, because they do have the the pimply kid kind of sitting on his beanbag in his room, um, you know, just chilling playing a video game maybe he bought a new video game with what he stole i don't know yeah he is there sitting there butt naked with no pants on though <laughs> i noticed that too <laughs> dude's got no pants on he's just I mean, sitting there butt naked or he's i guess butt naked on a beanbag i mean can you ask for more hey pizza you do that chilling out to some eric b and rakim like that's the way to do it i guess <laughs> see i got the feeling that this uh, this encounter with Hank Howard kind of maybe broke him out of his shell where he yeah. was somebody who never would have even thought of doing anything wrong. But now maybe he's thinking, wait a minute, maybe I could do something, you know, maybe I could do a little no good like my manager did there. So I, that's the way I read it. But now that you mentioned that, I'm starting to doubt my own reading of this. Right. And I think that's what's kind of fun about a little mystery book like this right is you feel like it's been resolved but yet it leaves a door a crack you know something open for more um i feel like that's something that i go back to what you know the the creative teams that we've known here they do such a good job of leaving the door cracked to allowing for the thought to happen and then potentially for another part two a or more to come from it. So, and, uh, I, I, I've always kind of dug that about them and, uh, I, either way, it doesn't take away from the story either way, how it goes. And I kind of like what you're saying. Maybe this picks this guy into something that he, you never would have thought. And, um, now that he's been accused for it, he's like, Hey, why not? Maybe I can get away with it if I continue what I'm doing. So good, good thought. Yeah. Uh, -huh. I just like the, uh, the overconfidence almost, cockiness that this private detective has it's you know he had he's so dead set on this kid and then stumbles across the manager and then of course goes just like he goes at the kid goes at her probably full bore we don't know and then even in the end like you said it could be the kids like okay well i can get away with this if i do this or the the whole fact where i did get away with it I kind of like that I did get away with it because it really leans heavy on this private detective's overconfidence and his ability to solve this silly little crime. I mean, right off the bat, the police would have already fingered the manager. You know, that would have been the number one go-to. The kid would have been shaken down. They probably would have, you know, at least searched his house, you know. But the overconfidence in this guy is like, oh, okay, the kid didn't do it. Just go, you know, go on. I'm done with you. And then, you know, snares up the manager. When, if this kid did do it, I really hope he did. Uh, I find it an even better story. Well, and then the mom, how he got into the mom, about how the mom was. That was kind of cool. I, I did dig that. I mean, he, he went after the, the mom in the whole issue as well. And uh, I thought that was I thought that was pretty good. So, And then uh, – yeah, I don't know what there's what there's more for this, but um, it 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 was fun. I mean, for for a buck, and this was only half of it. So, 
Only yeah. gaff. I mean, so, for a buck, you couldn't go wrong. I spent more in gas. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. Question for you, Moose. So you're thinking yeah. we, we want the kid to get away with it. If he got away with it, it, it means Hank Howard kind of sucks as a detective. I think he sucks as a detective anyways. Okay, all right. Okay, that, that's what I wanted to ask <laughs> you about. Like. No, I think he's overconfident and overcocky, and, you know, and he's just, honestly, I think he's there. He realizes this is a cush job. It, I really don't have to do too much investigating. I get all the free pizza and soda that I can buy. Well, not free because he gets a deductor employee <laughs> discount, which is silly. But, uh, but you know, it, it, it. I mean, you see him trying so hard to be a cop with the bright light, you know, trying so hard to be a detective and he's just a private investigator. And it, I just, it reeks of that, that classic guy who tried to be a cop, but couldn't be a cop. So he became a private detective and he's not even a good private detective. I don't know. I, that's just kind of what I picked up from it. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just want the kid to get away with it, which would be great. <laughs> So you're, you're yeah. like completely making me reevaluate my reading because <laughs> the first time I read this thing, I thought of this as Hank Howard is this super confident or super competent private eye that just due to his bad luck finds himself in the pizza industry of all things, <laughs> but that he applies his incredible competency to solving crimes to just pizza crimes, which is <laughs> stupid and awesome, right? It's, it's both those awesome. things at the same time. Yeah. Hmm. But it's, you're making me rethink it now. Yeah, Maybe you he know, isn't as good as he thinks he is. Yeah. If you think back in, in, I mean, even those noir style books or, or movies, excuse me, the detective isn't even a great detective. I think back to, uh, what is it? Moonlighting, where it was Bruce Willis, and he was a private detective, I think. We're going back into the early 80s. I remember watching that stuff, early to mid-80s. And I just remember him not being, a, and maybe I'm thinking of something totally different, but he's not a great detective. But through sheer dumb luck, he stumbles into solving the crime. But it's not because he's competent. That's kind of the, the way I feel about this guy. He looks stern and he's got the tie, and but he's not good at his job. At least I don't think so. Because if he were good at his job, why would he be doing pizza? Why would he be a pizza detective? Which is the most the most silliest, over the top, wonderful story that I could that I could ever want. It's just fantastic. Absolutely. And 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 what's his origin story? You know, like. You know what, like you were saying, was he a cop that just couldn't hack it? Was he a cop that did something wrong? Was he, you know, was he on the take? Um, yeah, how, how, how does he know, you know? And then, uh, that play, like I said, get, get in with the play of the mom, going in on her being the single mom. I would love to see just more of this guy and it's like his sleaze. I feel like yeah. there's a little bit of sleaze to him and it, it, and yet that seriousness, right? That, that seriousness that he comes in there. And then that compens that you were talking about, I, I, I definitely dig it. So there's there, there's a lot to uncover just with a little story like six this. Six pages, you know, with six yeah. pages. You're, it's so great because with six pages, your imagination can still go completely in a different direction. I mean, with three different guys, and we all went kind of a different direction with everything that we read. So, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. but it's just six pages. That's what's so silly. It's just six pages of a story. So yeah. 
the thing that I find most interesting, I think, about this story is thinking about the setting and the fact that in this world, it's a perfectly normal thing for a chain of pizzas to have a private, private eye. And so what does that tell me about the world in which this takes place? It's not normal. I, I don't think most small joint, no. regional pizza chains have, you know, their own well, private detective to investigate petty crimes that happen in their stores. Well, there's at least 248 of them. Yes, there are. So yeah. it's a pretty big oh, chain. Yeah, it's a big chain. It's Pizza Hut, you know, mm -hmm. or, or Domino's or something like that. And I would imagine they have somebody, but he probably is bigger things than somebody breaking a safe open. See, it makes me think that maybe in this world, the pizza business is much more sinister of a business Ooh. than it is in our world. Much more serious. Yeah, yeah, much more high stakes, something Ooh, like that. Yeah. It kind yeah. of reminds me of Snow Crash, if you've ever read that book, where it's a future where all the pizza chains are run by the mafia. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That is the type of situation where they would have private detectives to go track down all these cases. Yeah. And I, I, I love where you're going with that too. Cause I mean, you do go back to right here where it's also looking at the classified ads, right? Classified ads haven't really been a thing to look for a job in a damn long time. So if it's current, that's funny because who looks for a job with classified ad anymore? Number, number, you know, and then you go back to, I mean, I was just watching uh casino the other day and you know, the mob is there in Kansas running in the, the deli. Right. And so you have this, you know, the mob and the family in the deli. So is it a little bit more sinister? Is it a little bit more of a inside mob mafia job happening with the, uh, you know, the Italians, you know, and their pizza, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> with, with, with a little, you know, the Italians, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I, I dig it. I dig that. That's a good one. And it so. does make me wonder also if we're going to, entertain the thought of all of these being in a shared universe. I think of this along with Greenleaf Oil and what they're doing in tankers, that this is a world where corporations are up to shenanigans to a degree unheard of in, in our world, where uh, our corporate shenanigans are just dirty and cruel and greedy, but these are just some very bizarre corporate shenanigans going on in this world. Now I want to go back through tankers because that seems to have the most little spoilers in there in each book. But I want to go back through all of them and see if I can't find a pizza box. <laughs> I want to go find it now. I, I'm, I'm going to have to find some time to do that because that's that, again that's going to start driving me nuts. I'm going to start thinking about it. See if I can't find this connection. <laughs> There's got to be. Well, if you guys were to score up this little this little uh, book here, what what do you what are you going with, Moose? What's going to lead us off there? You know, it's six pages, and it's how do you rate six pages? It's tough, but as the three of us have dove into this book, we all see something different, and it's just six pages. I keep going to that because you get a darn good story out of this little bit of paper. Um, I thought it was great. the The art is is it's good. I would say the art for me is about a four two five. Um, now that I see the color, I, I, I'm close to bumping it up to four point five. The story is a solid four five. Um, I love that we can allow our imaginations to really run wild on this story. Awesome. What about you, Sean? 
Hmm. I think that I would bake up this pie to like a, I'm like wavering between a, a four and a 4.5. So I'm guess I'm going to say 4.25 pepperoni tamos to bring back something from my <laughs> podcasting days. And if I had to make one complaint, uh, it would only be that I feel like it's a little abrupt, the ending. <laughs> it feels like it's this story that's gearing up to, I think it's all about this kid, but maybe there's more going on. Oh yeah, the manager did it, done. Uh, that I like if if this was twice as long, and he could have shifted, shown the story of shifting gears and pegging down. Like I wanted to see that manager pulled back under the heat lamp, and see that part of the investigation. Okay. Going. So that would be my only complaint, which I guess is a positive. It left me wanting more, and yeah. I didn't get the more that I was left wanting. So I guess my complaint is in a way actually technically a good thing about the book. I just want to know why this yeah. kid doesn't have pants on. Well, that gets wow. you into mine. Since Sean brought out a Tamos, I think I'm going to call this little hand tossed on a beanbag Tamos if he gets the trip. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to be right there, and I and I'm going I have to go with it. Four point two five as well. Um, that's kind of where I'm sitting at. Um, again, probably the only thing that really lowers it is that it was so short, right? Yeah. If, if it was longer, if there was a little bit more to it um you know this existence and, and 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 knowing the bigger picture if there even is a bigger picture i mean if there was a bigger picture it would cause it to go up if there's not doesn't cause it to go down though um so yeah but little little 4.25 action on uh on hank howard the pizza dick all so, right next up um in I don't know how you can't love a Louis La Rosa cover and especially this one when it really so makes awesome. you want to learn more about who is who this is and save now. But uh, Matt Kent writing Tomas Giarello on art. Yes, the Exo Man of War volume one is back again with Diego Rodriguez as well doing uh, doing the colors. Dave Sharp on letters. Um then Luis La Rosa doing the cover. That's just like EXO Volume 1 of that run with Diego Rodriguez doing colors there. Uh, and I do give shout out for this like logo. I believe that's uh, George Monologo. Or is that who did the back cover? That's who did the back cover, George Monologo. Um, ultimately, this thing looks beautiful, man. I really like how Save shows you the rewind. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just in the image, you don't get it until you read it. But just in that little bit save now um it's kind of cool because much like the story says it's like a video game reset so it's kind of cool i like it yeah scott scuguchi did it is uh who's the logo which i think that looks that's that's very that's fitting cool. yeah so it's very very cool one that's thing i like I is that all of these get different logos and different presentations there is no bad idea cover layout that exists. Right. They're all right. different. Each one is different. Each one looks different. The logo's in different places. They're using artwork in different ways. That is uh, very nice. Yeah, this is a that's an awesome cover. It's I I wish we got more of this character in the story because oh, yeah. he is gnarly. Yeah. Well, I gotta I gotta say, um, she brushes her teeth well. I mean, she's got really good choppers. I mean, <laughs> the teeth online. I mean, I would expect 
a witch to have some colored blacked out teeth. You know, at least I have that gum line be so solid. That That is spot on. Flossing daily works wonders, yeah. right? It, you know, and we say we want to see her more. Um, let's uh, let's know that uh, we have her uh, a to be continued at the end of this. And then Moose, will you give us a little rundown of this one? Yeah, so we're introduced to a group of what you might call superheroes, um, and uh, the one main guy who doesn't necessarily get involved in the fighting is a guy by the name of Saver or as he's become known as savior. And what happens is somebody dies, somebody gets hurt, or it doesn't go right. He can rewind back to a save point and restart again and try and find a different way. The only thing is everybody in the team, it's their first time. For him, it could be his 100th time. And every minute he has to relive. There's no fast forward. He also ages in the entire book so the more he goes through the longer he goes the more um the older i should say that he gets in the end they wind up in an apocalypse with no idea why the team wanting him to rewind and him saying he's done it over and over and over again uh and there's no resolution yeah yeah uh, what do we got? We got deep fake spear, numb and saver, and it, it is a really cool um, idea, right? Like this, this book could go. This could be a, a big ongoing book. This could be a huge shared universe superhero. Uh, maybe, hopefully, possibly. Um, but the the concept of this they really i love the way they really dig deep into this guy how he can do that and yet that there is a consequence to his to his using the powers um you know what's was one 15 minutes for somebody was 10 hours for me um and i've aged and if you keep doing that for a certain amount of time uh whether it's this one time where he's done it a hundred times um but it's ultimately a a huge uh, you know piece to this guy on the outside looking in is going to look like he's like this aging quick, right? He's like to a degree, like this Benjamin button dude who ages like a, a son of a gun. And he's just, you know, yeah, hopefully wise because of the time. Um, but it also makes him look really good, even though he might be really shitty. It sounds like where he can do something a hundred times to finally figure out who it was the one time. Um, but Hey, it, it, it plays a good role. It's, it's an interesting uh, power. And uh, it's not a speedster doing it like the Flash, so um, I, I'm I'm in for this. And then, of course, Diego, uh, Diego Rodriguez and with Tomas Giarello on on pencils is going to be a phenomenal looking uh, interior yeah, book. Absolutely, I absolutely. Mean, yeah. yeah, love the palette with those two together and just how it works out. And you know, it it did give me such. Uh, that first issue of EXO with all those huge machinery up in Planet Gorn, it gave some really cool callbacks to that. Um, and it was a little bit of that nostalgia there, um, but with a total new take on a new story. So there's two things that come to mind for me. Along the lines of him always aging, I do like that towards the end, they show him with the gray hair on the sides to indicate that even though it says it's only one year later for him, 
it's probably 10 to 20 years later because of how many times he's gone back. He says he keeps going back and back and back, and he's tried it so many times to try to avoid whatever it is that's happened from happening. The other thing that I think is really interesting, and they just kind of touch on this a little bit, is how horrifying it must be that he has to watch his friends and teammates die over and over and over and over again. But in the end, they don't actually die. So it's just got to be this weird psychological thing where he goes through this trauma of watching people die, but then knowing, well, actually, I can undo this at any time. And man, what weight that must put on him to know somebody just died. I could undo it. But if I do undo it, am I doing the right thing? That's a whole lot of psychological mess going on in his head that I imagine. And I think they they touch on that a little bit, but you can really, it was enough to kind of spark it in my mind to think through, oh man, this would be really intense. Yeah, I agree. Right. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. Oh, I was going to say, especially when you think about, you know, just in terms of the butterfly effect, right? And I like the kind of idea that he only goes back short times, but has there been times where he's gone back like, okay, you know what? I actually am going to go back three years ago and redo those last three years. Um, is it always the last hour, the last two hours, the last 20 minutes that he's going back and making these changes? Uh, where did he learn that? Oh man, I went back three years and I had to make this change. And I saw what happened, you know, in year two when I went back three years ago and it's totally different um, because his mind's keeping all of these memories um, you know, like you say, he's witnessed people die and they're alive again. And so that that sorrow, that that relief, that just like you said, the psychological effect is just phenomenal that he's probably having to go through um, that could be really, you know, did, dove in really well when it comes to a story aspect of this. Go yeah, for I was just going to I was going to I think one of these pictures you got there. No, not this one. Flick forward one, would you? Yes, there you go. Bottom right-hand corner. You can see as his team crashes and dies, there's that look. And I remember seeing this, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, John. As soon as you started seeing that, I'm like, oh. And that you had this, my mind went to that image. Okay, there's that trauma that you're talking about, that he watched humans die. So he has to come up with a new strategy, but he's desperately not to get them killed. So, and I just, I think that one, that one little square right there tells you a ton. And when we flash forward and he says, I'm not doing it anymore, you have to think that part of the reason that he's not doing it anymore, one, is he can't figure it out. But two, the trauma is just kind of blurring together for him. And, you know, it, it just becomes too much to watch his friends die over and over and over again. Um, it, it's got it's got to weigh heavy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that was very much one of the panels that I picked up on where that really pointed that out to me. Yeah, we both dialed in on that. Yeah, and, so. and it gives you crazy theories, right? What is it causing this, right? And, and oh. my, my crazy theory here is going to be, could it be somebody from another book called ENIAC? Maybe the, pers the thing of ENIAC? that is seeing this destined thing, no matter how it calculates, no matter how it comes out, that it's a destined ENIAC um, conclusion. Mm. 
So I'm wondering though if this is a world where ENIAC even uh, exists. If it is, okay, then we've got something different. If it's in the same, but the way that I see things is because we have time travel shown in tankers. Do we necessarily have the same universes and with Saber here now being able to rewind in these small little time jumps backwards? Um, do we have just one single universe or is it branching out? Are we seeing instances or stories where we're going to have a collision where full-on stories will then come together from separate universes? That's where I kind of pick up this is I don't think uh, in this because would he stand for an elemental witch being able to do things that he can't control? Because to hmm. me, I think the elemental witch is the key figure, thus this image. She is the key figure behind the story. And even though you only see her in what? Three panels, two of them being shadowed. Yeah, she's the key figure behind this whole thing. Yeah, that's interesting that they put her on the cover when she has such a minor role. I mean, it's it's not just because she makes a melting face look really good, as you said there, <laughs> Scott, in the chat, because I agree with you. <laughs> but there, it does seem like it makes sense. It's also kind of like storytelling 101. You have the seemingly non-relevant intro that ends up actually being relevant to the rest of the story uh, along the way. And if I'm frustrated by anything, again, it's like this feels like this is the perfect uh, prologue to an amazing long story. <laughs> and, and But as far as we, I know, like this is it, right? I don't know what? if we know if there's going to be anything continuing from this. Well, sure, and it makes you, oh, the makes you really, the really yeah. wonder. Makes you really wonder, me, did you get the first appearance of some really cool things on a book that was only sold for a dollar, but it was only yep. allowed to be sold for 24 hours? Yeah, and that's this perfect. Is... That's perfect bad idea. I mean, that crew, you know, here hold my – I honestly think they all sat around together drinking beer. They got themselves good and buzzed, and they had themselves a drawing board. And when it came to the release of this special character, it was, here, hold my beer. I've got an idea. And, and they took turns until they realized, oh, that's a horrible idea. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you know, because uh, last weekend would have been Free Comic Book Day. Yes. And so Free Comic Book Day is away. Um, and so maybe having the $1 book, something like this, that's going to be all original, all brand new content, uh, was this something different for that. Um, you know, it's not a free comic, but hey, it's a buck, you know, and I mean, it's as good as any image first I've seen, right? So, yeah, um, yeah for a dollar, I, I don't think it's wrong. And, and knowing that it would have been free com comic book day, but they pushed that back a couple months. Um, I think I think it was a smart move. And uh, but it was different. It was, you know, I guess we'll get to more of the putting it out for 24 hours later. Um, yeah. You guys got any more to add on to this one? Oh, come on, man. Uh, Here's time. The big question in my mind about, I think, both of these stories is, is this a story that came about because the creator said, I have an idea for an intro story for a much bigger story? Or did it come about because they said, I have this 
crazy idea for this one-off story that I don't really have anywhere else to put it or anything else to do with it. Like, which of those two is it? Is it just a, I've got this crazy idea for something that would make this really cool vignette of a story, but don't have any plans to keep going with it? Or is it, I have this plans to really plant the seed for something that I want to be bigger? I don't know which this is. You know, I think this, to me, it, it's one of those things where the first time I read it, I took took the story at face value. It was a good story. I read it a couple more times, and we get to the apocalypse because of their last large victory that we see, which is the destruction of this monster, right? Or in, in this case, it's the destruction of this elemental witch, then the apocalypse happens. We don't know what is all the apocalypse. If it's, I'm assuming it's mass death. But as you see, it, it could be a number of different things. But if this is an elemental witch who was in the water, everything looked like it was burnt or dried up. Could the death of this elemental witch have dried out this planet, the earth, this whatever, and had caused the apocalypse? And of course, looking for victories, say is looking for victories. Could he, by killing the witch, this elemental witch, cause the apocalypse? Of course, he doesn't see it. But in my mind, that's exactly where I went. Because he went back a year. He went back 10 years. He did all this jumping. But the one thing that he can think of is, be my victory caused this apocalypse. Hmm. That's an awesome idea. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That has been chewing on me, and I wanted to know what you guys think because that I'm just like I see all these connections, and knowing that this is a, a, a preview, I guess, or a, a prequel to go into the lot, um, you know, it that kind of you see that setting, and you think to yourself, this is a horror movie, and blah blah blah, but where does this witch fit in with that story, and? It's the only thing I can come up with is somehow when she died in this universe or in this this uh, world, she was pushed or moved into this other world where it is the lot. And we're going to learn, I think, I hope, in that miniseries, we're going to learn a ton about this whole horror, scary, I, I don't know, I'm looking forward to it. If, if it does truly, in fact, involve this witch. I could be completely yeah. wrong this would be for a different story down the line, but she's one of the first images, I think, well, not one of, uh, she's probably the third or fourth large image that we saw about uh, written involving characters. One of them was the two prints on this shoulder here that I have over my shoulder, those two, um, and third, fourth, something like that involved this face, or at least a face like this. Hmm. Hmm. And is there any connection to the old Odin's eye with the uh, hmm. the future of uh, a book that book. has been talked about but not talked about, like just on little media things here and there? Yeah, hmm. I can I can see a connection there to Odin's eye. Hmm. Interesting. So, so now I, I guess this is the big question: What do you guys think? Is all this tied together, or are we just kind of like making connections that aren't there? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's one of those things where you see little things. 
and you're like, there's the connection. But who knows? We haven't been told yet. We mm, just okay. don't know. And that's what's so I think the lack of information is what is making the people who really love it really go after it. Because you just don't know. And they're not telling anybody. They're not slipping. They're not letting anything slip. I mean, this yeah. isn't like the Valiant Days where the first six pages you got to read for free. And you can <laughs> tell you got a, a good flavor of the story. And usually, like EXO, I think there was maybe two pages. By the time EXO Man of War came out with Matt Kent, there might have been two or three pages that we didn't see in some type of preview. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody's chomping at the bit wanting to know what's coming next. And you, you, there's nothing out there. There is, I mean, you get this, you get this face. That's it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess the big, the big thing is the hope of it. Right. And I, I think that's kind of, you know, what I was saying on uh pizza Hank Howard is you would hope that there's more to it and that just makes it all the better, it, but it doesn't necessarily take away from it. The fact that there's not um, even if there is not, but it reminds me a little bit of when you, when the, I mean, go back to the MCU Marvel first came out, Iron Man, you know what I mean? You got a couple of them. And when you started seeing the Easter eggs of the shared universe in the movies, mm -hmm. you know, the very end where Thor's hammer set out in the middle of New Mexico and they're coming after to find it. And you're like, oh my God, there's Thor's, they're going to have a Thor movie. And then, you know, you start seeing Nick Fury show up in these things, trying to get the Avengers together. It was just that excitement of seeing the Easter eggs come together is fun. Um, and, and knowing that there's already been some Easter eggs here and there. I mean, we've already seen Greenleaf Oil in um, in a hero trade type of uh, B, B story. Um, you know, hopefully we're going to keep seeing some more little Easter eggs as they grow. And, you know, to be, to be a shared universe would be awesome. And it would almost be sad if it wasn't because <laughs> how great, like, Dinesh and Warren are – at like orchestrating this and i mean all the people credit josh and hunter as well just how all they are orchestrating this and especially when you got kent and venditti kind of you know doing a, a bulk of the story so far yeah when, when more comes and uh you know and then there's yeah there's there's some more stuff too that to, to see coming um that's been leaked a little bit is just nothing but excitement on my end what, what about you what are you what are you thinking here sean I'm always a little cautious when it comes to making connections because I think continuity is a double-edged sword in some ways because it can add a lot of excitement to a book, but it can also add a lot of frustration and pain and confusion as fans when things don't seem to quite work out as tightly as we would want. And so generally my approach is to take continuity and connections as a positive only that when I, when I see them, I enjoy them for what they are and I let them add to the book. But if it is something that feels like it's drawing away from the story in some way, where I feel like, well, this isn't quite how this was shown in this other book. So it doesn't make sense to me. I just ignore that because I feel like that doesn't serve me in my enjoyment of the book. So I guess I, I play cautious optimism towards interconnection because I, I also don't know if they're making these books with the ideas of, well, let's throw out these Easter eggs about things being connected just for the fun of it because, hey, wouldn't it be awesome 
put this green leaf oil sign in this other book because then it's like, hey, look, they're in the same and that would be really fun. And just doing it as a kind of throwaway fun thing without right. necessarily the intention of building it up and with the intention of it being this large tapestry or are they being very deliberate and careful? And right. the nature of the stories, which is that they seem like just fun stories that these creators want to tell that range from crazy spy stuff to the hero trade stuff, which is just bizarre superhero, like underworld of the superhero world stories. Like all these things don't feel like they're connected. They, they feel more like these are meant to be standalone. I just want to create a cool story type of stories. So for that reason, I'm kind of hesitant to draw connections, but I just, I, I guess I'm, I don't know. Uh, cautious optimism, I think is, is my approach. And, and that that's good. And I think Moose and I on the last hero trade had some uh, really good uh, parallels, but not parallels to comics, more along parallels of the real world uh, yeah. and recent events that may have happened in 2018. Um, the beginning of, to be more exact, <laughs> and the deconstruction of superheroes and of uh, certain ones. But I guess let's score up safe now. Um, yeah, I don't know what order we want to go. Uh, I'll, oh. I'll kick this one off. I have art. Diego, or you know, Tomas Iarello, I love. I've already talked about that cover story. Um, this one, I'm gonna be. Whew, it's it's done everything it's supposed to do. I am super excited for whatever's next to it. Um, I am, you know, absolutely amped. Um, it is one that I'm gonna when it we get another section of you know these characters out again. Uh, I'm gonna be pumped to be reading these stories. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a 4.5 leaning towards 4.75, but I'm going to say 4.5. And um, it, like I said, it did everything that I think it was supposed to do. Um, and it was very well done um, all the way around. So. Yeah. For me, art was beautiful. I loved it. Crisp, clean, solid 4.5 and story. Yeah. It, it's, it's, Maybe, again, maybe I'm diving into something way off the beaten path, but I can see how this sets up other books or at least books that I think are intertwined with this, which is great because I want to solve the riddle. I want to, I want to play with it, dig with it. Uh, you know, every little corner of everything, it, it, it's fun. It really gets me into the book. So I really, in my mind, I want more, and it is a solid almost 4.75, 4.5 easy across the boards for me on this book. Good. So I really like this a lot. <laughs> I feel like this just did so much in so little space. The art was fantastic. The writing was fantastic and conveyed so much in such a short amount of time. It's hard for me to imagine a much better story that is this short. So I, I got to go with five out of five hot melting witch tamos for this one. <laughs> Absolutely. That is yeah. awesome. And, and this makes me like almost wish, you know, you know, this is something I've heard Dinesh talk about is that anthologies don't work. People don't buy them. This was kind of something showing that a certain type and form of an anthology could work. Um, you know, this was short, quick stories in and out, um, you know, yeah, done in little real estate, but so very well done. 
Um, they leave it all to, to awesomeness. Um, speaking of awesomeness, this is one that I cannot wait. Just a little Louis LaRosa Megalith mm-hmm. art. Um, you know, I saw these and I was like, I have to kind of post these just because it doesn't get much better than that. Um, all the way around that when these are put together and I still go back and forth. If I, I love Lewis is black and gray. His gray work is so amazing. Uh, but when you add color on it, you know, when it's somebody like Diego Rodriguez doing the color, mm-hmm. it's just phenomenal work. Um, this one's, this one's probably the one when it first happened. I think you have the poster behind you there, Moose, that just so phenomenal. And there, there's, yeah, I believe what it's Kent as well, right? Megalith. Yeah. Um, this is one that it's just, how can you not be excited for what bad ideas got coming? Oh, exactly. Yeah. I want to know so much about this story. If in fact, anything ties in with this, um, <clears throat> what this means for the future of bad ideas. I mean, we get past all these books. It's not like they're going to stop and say, okay, thanks for coming to the party guys. You know, thank, thanks for coming and drinking my beer. Um, no, there's, there's going to be more. And this is only building into something that's going to be more twisted and, and keep you guessing, keep you on your toes, keep you excited. So I, I I'm really looking forward to this stuff, man, man. It's it's awesome to be excited for a book that we know nothing about, right? <laughs> just, just from a few pages of art that look phenomenal. It's it's fun to be excited about comics again and excited about something coming up that I'm just like amped for, and this is really amping me up. Yeah, and, and there's something about creators and creatives, and the people that work behind it that have earned your trust to to know very little about something. And to be like, I'm pumped for it. I know who you are. I know what you're going to produce. And, you know, you you failed me very little, but mm-hmm. you've usually paid through and you usually come through on that on that trust. And so that's that's what I, that's what leaves me excited for it is is that um, not to mention seeing Lewis's art is is just, you know, drop dead gorgeous work. Um, and the, but knowing what Kent's going to do, knowing the creative, you know, the back end stuff with Carl Bowlers, with 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 Warren and with you know, all of them, it's, it, it they're going to pay true to, to that trust. So, well, and it really helps that the creatives know each other so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these combinations, as we said earlier, have written books together and may, maybe minus Lampum, uh, it has been involved with each other for a while. So they're all very, very familiar. And so I think it even adds to background and setting up things that are just much more dense. You know, something like like having a hamburger, but chewing on it like it's water taffy. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to get at? If you're like, oh, this ain't going down. I, I don't know what kind of hamburgers you're eating. Hamburgers made of water taffy. That's what I'm right. <clears throat> but no, that I mean, it just it keeps you wanting a little more, a little more. It's it's fantastic. And, and so, Moose, you had a little bit of a uh, oh. theories off of some things that we had talked about in the past, and um, you know, I think that that's uh, some good, fun stuff to uh, talk about, especially with yeah. Sean here, because I know Sean's probably got some theories running uh, around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, Sean, that's what makes it fun. Let's yeah, hear it. I wrote this down. I want to harken back to one of the, not the first cover, 
because the, the first ENIAC cover that we saw was, I do believe, what's over my shoulder. I keep using my hand. This this one right there. That's it looks the like you're in the saw. computer, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It looks like you're, yes, yeah, somehow seeing out from the computer or the eyes of the computer. But the second one we saw was what looked like a scientist or something that was possibly bonding with a, with, uh, a computer. Had wires going in and out, you know, like shocking. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the the and everything, yeah. Uh, since yeah. then, since we first saw that picture, we have not seen it. It's been a ghost. It's not around. So that coupled with what Hoosier and I were talking about last week with the black eyes, the possible the possibility of of uh um ENIAC possibly controlling uh Fletcher in some and just uh mentally training her and you saw the flashbacks, right? Oh, yeah. uh, good job. Bad job. You suck. You suck. You suck. Mm -hmm. And then the only time that she's getting positive reinforcement is when she's having an interaction with the computer for, for, for most of her entire life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's even told that she's, that she's dirty and really bad by her girlfriend, you know, at the time, which, mm -hmm. you know, pluses and minuses there. You know, that's <laughs> where, where more like that? a compliment in the, in the situation. But, yeah. Yeah. but so in my mind, as I started putting it together, my mind started going round and round. We're getting ready to, to get ENIAC 4 here coming down the pike. And what keeps popping into my head is that image of the scientist merging, but it's not going to be the scientist. Could it be Fletcher that merges with ENIAC to create one of our, if this is a combined universe somehow, some way, that creates one of our superheroes slash supervillains? If this is going to be superhero based, and in my mind, it kind of is leaning that way, especially after getting and reading Saver and being introduced to the witch. Hmm. So could it yeah. be that Eniac merges with Fletcher, uh, lead, again leading off by the black guy and trained to respond to positive reinforcement from a computer? Where does your mind go with that? Now, I mean, now that I've said all that I've said. Do you see it that way? Do you see it different, differently? So everything you said, what it makes me think of, and this is probably a result of me reading a lot of Isaac Asimov recently and reading all of his robots books, is that if this is coming down to merging between the robot and the human, is ENIAC trying to create a new life form? That is a somehow a combination of what ENIAC is on one side and what humans are on the other side. And so has Fletcher been one of his long-term prospects to then make this happen? There we go. Hmm. Because <laughs> one of my theories is that all of the, this story is leading to is to try to get Fletcher in contact with ENIAC. That that is ENIAC's long game. And that has been what he's been trying to do all along is yes. somehow get her where she is now with the, you know, all the little holes on the wall with the, the braids and the, the mm -hmm. little analog computer whammy dammy collar that she got from Andronikov and all that. That seems like what ENIAC is all about. And ENIAC doesn't seem like he's all about destroying the world to me. No, That's I don't think it's going to be a nuclear no, that, I don't see that. 
that totally seems like a bait and switch to me. And that has the whole time because why would he have a countdown? He's like, right. You don't warn him. I'm going to kill you really, really soon. (laughs) There's nothing you do really soon. Like any day now it's going to happen. Like, no, you, he would just do it. If that's what any act was going to do. And look, I just called him a he and I shouldn't have because yeah. You know, I agree with you in that aspect. Um, there's a reason that she's there. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I really want to know what that reason is. Well, oh, and, me too. And Yak <laughs> is a hundred steps ahead of everything and sees a, a large a lot larger game uh, than others. It's further down the road, just like you saw the behavioral, you know, traits of conditioning somebody to, uh, believe in certain things like the way they had with Fletcher. Um, I think it's, it's it's just a huge long game and and that's, you know, the box itself is designed specifically for it's plugged, you know, it's, it's a hundred steps ahead. It knows exactly what's happening. Um, but what's the end game? What's the the long play still? Even though it's been playing a really really long play because it had Fletcher's mom from a long time ago, um, it's just so deep in um, the ability to really expand. Um, that's that's what's nice on it. I would really hope and pray, and I'm pretty sure it's going to happen that Eniac or this story within what Eniac is is not just necessarily a four issue mini and we're done and we don't come back to it. I'm so hoping that there's, there's, you know, cause it's such a great base. It's such a good foundation uh, for, even if it's just contained in its own title, it's got such a great foundation to continue to go off of it um, that I'm hoping that we're not just at four issues here and we get tons more to go because at the end of this month, we are getting in the act number four. So, or in next month, beginning of next month. So, yeah. In a way, I'm kind of excited about the idea of it being just a four issue series, in mm-hmm. that I feel like it's going to come to a very concrete end. And I always like that in stories. Even if it does continue eventually, I like stories that leave me feeling satisfied at the end, where I feel like, ah, okay, I got an ending like at the end of uh you you were talking about all those nuggets at the beginning of the marvel cinematic universe but when endgame finally came out and i felt like i finally got an ending to a marvel movie that didn't feel like it was just like a more like and there's another one there's more It, it was so satisfying and i am looking forward to getting that satisfaction in a story from this yeah in that same realm how'd you feel the end of star wars I uh, I wasn't a, I was I wasn't a fan. Uh, that's all I'll say. I don't really want to. No, that that's, uh, no. I I'm completely on board with you because I mean when I'm watching certain shows and you get that very last thirty seconds and it's like oh my god you just dropped that on us now I have to binge watch the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it it's it's a love hate. It's a love hate, right? Um. I do like having the, you know, the complete ending, but I also like having the, uh, just give me a little bit more. Like, you know, I still want a little bit more. And then uh, at times, like I say, we do regret it when we ask for, you know, episodes one, two, and three, and then later seven, eight, nine. Um, it's as much as we love it. We uh, mm-hmm. sometimes are good with episode four, five, and six. 
Oh, I'm I'm all down with the like ending where oh we think Eniac's destroyed and then it's all resolved and then there's the very last page of Eniac laying there and opening his eyes, you know. And, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm all good with like those kind of awesome like it's like leaving the room like the door open for more type of things or or like a you know Eniac's dead and then on a cell phone in the corner another countdown. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. Uh huh. There's yeah. Kane. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yes, with any act, the thing I keep going back to is uh, this is all the way back, like in the first issue, when Eniac was first talking to poor Ned, the scientist that programmed him. They were trying to like do good in the world. Like Eniac was like, I don't think we should compute this because. If we make this bomb, it's going to be really, really bad for the world. So, like, I really don't think you should make me do this. Like, ENIAC was good intentioned from the very beginning. But then they programmed him with all this information about the history of mankind. They had that whole, like, warehouse of people that were inputting all this information into ENIAC. And the, the question that I have is, did that change ENIAC somehow from oh, yeah. good-natured approach or did it just like, did he lose his thought that we need to stop bad things from happening? Or did he say, no, humanity, like go all matrix humanity is a virus and they need to be wiped out. Yeah. That's what I, I feel like is still unresolved with ENIAC as a character is, is he still his original good-natured self or was he turned to the dark side with information? You know, I I hear what you're saying, but I've always kind of felt like, you know, he's, I don't want to say mama bear, but he is the Matt Kitt incarnate, if you will. Mm-hmm. Matt always uh, writes about knowledge, whether it be protection of knowledge, the search for knowledge, uh, uh, the protection of knowledge, um, all those things. ENIAC is knowledge, and while mm-hmm. I do agree with you that he thinks human beings are cockroaches, he I don't think this is going to be a holocaust, because they never, after the first two, he took over Russia's nukes, and he hasn't fired a nuke in the entire story, right? Right. So he's, I mean, even at the, the height of the Cold War in the 80s, where we had ungodly amounts of nukes in, in our world, in that world, he still had access to all that. He could have just killed everybody right then. So I still think he thinks we're cockroaches, but I still think that he's got to be Mother Bear where he's protecting the humans from doing stupid things to them, to each other, because we'll just destroy the world. Yeah. See, what I wonder with that, though, is what's in it for ENIAC to do that? That's that's the piece that is missing for me is – for any of this what's in it for ENIAC what does ENIAC want nobody's you know nobody asked what I want (laughs) (laughs) nobody has asked what does ENIAC want and that I think is a really interesting question because it seems like ENIAC wants something well he wants Fletcher Mm -hmm. yes yes he wants Fletcher there and I'm telling you that it's going to be the preservation of knowledge he's going to keep all that knowledge and he's, I, I don't know what he's going to do with it, honestly. But something, something's going to happen. He's going to keep the knowledge. I still think that he's going to somehow merge with Fletcher. But 
You know, that's just me. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. That's my theory. Yeah, I, I dig it. And you do a great job of calling back a lot of like Matt's uh, stories and the overarching themes to them. Like I, I'm going to divinity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, you know, the, the, the staircase of, uh, of, you know, knowledge and books that are in the eternity, you know, it's just so well thought out and it's so well, like, um, just deep. Right. And, and, and so there's a lot to it. And so when you're looking at both of what you're saying, the, what does ENIAC want? Uh, what is ENIAC searching for? And what, how do they feel about the world and who do they trust with it? You know, maybe they realize that, you know, there's earth is what it is, but, you know, eventually it's going to tear itself up. But who, who, who do they, who can they give that power to that knowledge to um, that is a person that is skin, that is, you know, a bag of bones and that might do good for it. That might, you know, I don't know. There, there's a lot like God next month, come around right now in EAC four and answer all of these questions. Um, and, you know, that's, the old saying is, you know, final four, like let's, you know, final up, final issue, right? Are mm-hmm. you going to stick it, right? Is Are we going to get the uh, the payoff? Are we going to get the resolution of this story? And um, how how uh, how much of that is going to be pushed out to us? So, yeah. The way I feel after reading the third issue is that this story has just been accelerating and accelerating and accelerating. And we don't know what it's accelerating to quite yet, but it has very much accelerating, been accelerating. Because after the first issue, I was kind of like, okay, it just seems like a whatever spy espionage book, mm-hmm. kind of int- with an interesting backstory. And then the second issue added a little more twist to it. And then the third issue added even more twisting to it. And it's just been accelerating and accelerating and accelerating. So, yeah, I am very excited to see what it's all moving to. Perfect. Yeah. And then I hopefully we get a little bit more of the hero trade at the back of that again, right? Yes. So yes. That's, uh, I, I liked the last one. I believe that was the first hero trade. And, yeah, we, were, we, we brought up a lot of this deconstruction of the superhero. Of literally the, uh, t- t- the yeah. literal but it's, the, it's the bad idea yeah. saying kind of giving the world this is what we think of your superhero we're going to dissect it cut it up and we're going to sell it to the highest bidder because mm. that's not our model right and it's still going to barely be alive right yeah. it's still going to still still be breathe. there yeah, but you've already cut the legs off of them yeah. yeah interesting wow that that is quite the metaphorical take yeah because <laughs> uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like I said, I I think I said, it's the middle finger. I think, (laughs) honestly, it's the middle finger to this idea of a superhero universe. And (laughs) maybe it's pointed at a specific company. (laughs) Um, But uh, pointed at all companies that you're quote unquote superhero. But at the same time, it's very much rooted in superheroes. So it's, it's, It like it's it's also this sense of we can't escape that at the same time that this world and the hero trade seems to be all about like the seedy underbelly of the superhero world mm-hmm. that we don't see in the bright shiny swinging from the skyscraper world of superheroics and that's what I enjoy about it is it's like all the ways that superheroics can go wrong 
and would how actual people would interact with superheroics when in the unnoble ways that people would interact with superheroics if it were to actually exist. Yeah, it, to a degree, like, and that's it. I've heard that the different take of uh, the boys, right? Um, a different take on the boys within. Uh, how do you? How, if superheroes were really in the world, what's more of a real life, you know, connection that it would have on this? You know, what would be misused? What would be taken advantage of? What would be, you know, who would want to try to get their hand in the pie a little bit um, and get get a little bit more out of it from there? So, yeah. Oh man. Well, I have to say well, I'm pumped up for the bad idea and everything bad ideas got going. Um, I encourage you guys check out, you know, overthinking the bad and uh, there's a link down in the description below for that and check out a bunch of the stuff Sean's producing out there. It's some good stuff. Um, good laughs, good, good, good knowledge, good uh, all the way around. So wish you uh, all of that and then follow Sean over at bad Deacon. Well, thank you. This was awesome to join you here. I had a, a blast and you guys totally switched my perspective on a few things, which I love. I love when that happens. So fantastic job. And you know what? We're probably wrong on 100% of it, but at I'm least it got the brain working. Oh, we're right? all wrong, right? I'm, I'm sure wrong. we're all 100% wrong. wrong. <laughs> totally expect to be right. I, I totally expect for people to point me out that I'm right. I really, you know, if I am wrong, please do. I don't, you know... <laughs> Hey, you, you got to uh, aim for the stars if you want to reach the sky. That's what I say. Right. So go big with those theories. But if you are right, you could get in the mic and be oh. like, I told you so. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> That's always the best part. <laughs> it is. Yeah, And then just excited. Antioch number four, Tankers number two. That's coming out soon. Um Make sure you're on all the, the, the World Wide Webs and follow, subscribe, all the good stuff um, all the way around. Any other taking parts for you two gentlemen? No? No? No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man. Just antsy, man. Antsy. What am I, I'm going to chew, chew my nails. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, don't. 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 That's gross. <laughs> that's gross. My dentist says that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> you all have... Oh, no. We have to finish that. What was that, Sean? He won't have what? Oh, he won't have teeth as nice as that. Uh, the lovely lady on the cover of Saint. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yes. You fingernails. <laughs> but but you might get that upper lip. Yeah, that's exactly. right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. 